When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Mickliffe Podcast with the Irish Examiner. Now, getting your hands on some money is a phrase as old as the hills, but is money disappearing? Are we facing into a so-called cashless society? I don't know about you, but since the pandemic and during it as well, I personally have drifted away hugely from handling cash. Every trip to the shop now, even for a carton of milk, I now transact with a card, something I never would have done prior to COVID. And also, I frequently have absolutely no cash at all on my person. Uh, in a way that probably would have panicked me up till a few years ago. But what about the big picture? Just a few months ago, there was a major row over a GA decision not to take cash at the gates of some matches. Also, uh, at that time, sorry, there was an outcry, but the GA held tough. And they, 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 they insisted on continuing in that way. Last year, when the major banks announced that it was going to make a lot of its branches cashless, now, in that instance, the bank, the bank did back down in the face of an outcry. So the issue is not going away. Some politicians have been raising it in the doll, usually those politicians from rural constituencies, which is entirely understandable because that's probably the place would be impacted most. Here's Tipperary Deputy Matty McGrath recently at Leaders Questions. Um, Tricia, one of the overhanging things from, hanging around from COVID is that this cashless society and organisations have become more prevalent who refuse to take cash from people. I'm shocked actually and appalled at the GAA and I have been writing them for nearly 12 months now to ask them about the situation where elderly people who played and gave the lights to GA and worked in the clubs and did everything in support of the GA and they can't get into a match if they haven't pre-booked a ticket. They can buy a programme aside for cash. We see the same in hospitals. We see the same across different restaurants, whatever. You can make a choice to do a lifestyle choice to do that. Some of these people are in the late 70s and 80s and older into the 90s. They have the way with all. Uh, many, many more men of the thought, many more are, are bachelors, many more uh, people like that that don't have any uh, family around them that they can do it for them. And it's embarrassment, to be honest, that they can't have a one stall open or one place open. It's a policy, obviously, of the of the coming to scale. It's a very despicable policy for the concerned, and it's not a good trend to be setting in our country. Thanks, Deputy. Obviously, Ticketing systems and so on are, are a matter for the GAA rather than for government. Um, although the report on retail banking, which was published only a few months ago, uh, does indicate uh, that government believes that there should be a place for cash. Uh, we want electronic payments. We want to encourage electronic payments. And by the way, lots of older people and lots of bachelors no, use cards, that. use phones, use Revolut, um, uh, and are well capable of doing so, Deputy. Uh, I but I appreciate that there are some people who want to continue to use cash. Um, cash remains legal tender in this state. Uh, and um, uh, and we want to make sure that that, that is facilitated where it can be. Yeah, a couple of great phrases there uh, that I think our younger listeners may not be completely across. Bachelors and men of the cloth. 
Anyway, cash is how we've lived for centuries, but is it coming to an end? Or at least to a point where it'll be an optional extra as the concept of money moves entirely into the digital sphere. Joining me to discuss cash and cashlessness is Dr. Olive McCarthy from UCC, where she's a senior lecturer with the Department of Food, Business and Development and the director of the Centre for Cooperative Studies. Olive, you're very welcome. Thank you, Mick. Olive, I suppose COVID is the big jumping off point in terms of this change we seem to be going through. Uh, definitely. I think we probably wouldn't even have been having this conversation if COVID hadn't happened, probably, or certainly wouldn't have been having it for a much uh, longer time. Um, we can see that there was a, a, a seismic change in the use of cash uh, during COVID. Uh, public health advice at the time was, you know, to try to, to switch to contact, contactless if at all possible. And um, of course, a lot of people were worried about um, the possibility of contracting COVID from, um, you know, handling cash. And the public health advice at the time was to avoid handling cash if possible. Uh, but because, of course, we didn't know, you know, for sure whether, you know, what sources, you know, where we could pick up COVID as such. So if we look at some of the statistics that the central bank have released, we can see that uh, before COVID, um, there was um, about 1.5 billion euro in ATM cash withdrawals every month. Um, then COVID came and you can see a seismic shift uh, from that 1.5 billion down to 1 billion per month. So that's quite a significant drop in the use of cash. Um, now, the interesting thing, though, is that we have now turned that kind of statistic and our, the, the conversation seems to have become uh, around cashless society rather than, OK, well, we did have a kind of very unusual structural shift that we wouldn't normally see in our lifetime. Um, and what's happened since then is what's more interesting in the sense that actually um, our use of, of cash has actually uh, leveled off again. So while there was a drop and there was a significant drop, um, you know, during COVID, that has actually leveled off and it hasn't really dropped since then. So a lot of the conversation seems to be that we're in constant decline. In fact, we're not. So we've gone from 1.5 to 1, but it's actually stayed steady um, at 1. Now, if you add in kind of cash back, because, you know, we can still get cash back in, in, in the shops um, and we add in uh, kind of withdrawals in bank branches, uh, then we're looking at about 20 billion euro in cash circulating per year. So cash is still a very significant part of our economy. Uh, and of course, we know that since COVID, you know, lots of tests have been done on banknotes, etc. And it's more or less said the chances of, of catching COVID from cash was actually minimal to none when we look at some of the scientific evidence now. But of course, at the time we were reacting and, you know, nobody was really sure. Uh, but the interesting point here is that the use of cash has dropped, but it has leveled off. So it's not in constant decline, which seems to be the the, the, the subject of many conversations out there at the moment. Yeah, that's interesting. And does that suggest so, Olive, that, the, the, that for a particular cohort of the population, and I'd have to be honest, I'd include the likes of myself there, in terms of, as I described, uh, now I automatically buy everything by card, the smallest thing, by, by card in the shops and what have you. Um, is, is that, has that cohort actually changed, but another cohort has decided it's not going to change? Um, there certainly would be, uh, I think what we might be seeing is a little bit of polarisation and the people who are absolutely dead set on using cards and those who are dead set on using cash and then maybe a whole mixture of people in the middle. Interestingly, the Department of Finance did a survey, um, consumer banking survey in 2022, 
um, and they found that one in five people prefer to use cash. So that's their preference. So 20% of the population want to use cash and not card. But that's not to say that the remaining 80% don't want to use cash. We know that 11% of people have said that they do not want to use cash or they don't use cash. Uh, but the remaining 89% of adults do use cash. So that's actually very, very significant. So I think what we want and what most people want is the choice and to be able to use both means. Now, think if you add children into that, it goes up um, even more. Uh, interesting research from the UK also would suggest that only about 3% there don't use cash. So it's, it's you know, used even more so um, in the UK. So it's, it's interesting. I think what's important here probably is um, choice um, and that people, you know, because I'm not advocating that we get rid of digital payments. I'm, I'm very pro cash, obviously. Uh, but what I am saying is that choice is really important. And we see lots of lobby groups looking for choice and all sorts of different things. Uh, we also need choice in terms of of how we can pay for for um, for goods and services. OK, and this may be a bit controversial, but I'll throw it at you anyway. Why? No, I'm not saying society in general, but take individuals. Why would people who can use cards and don't need to use cash, and I totally accept that there are cohorts there that was mentioned in the clip, and, and, and particularly in areas like rural Ireland, more, more elderly people very often, that kind of thing, but say people in the, younger people in built-up areas, why would they today use cash rather than cards? I can give you multiple reasons, Mick, for that. Um, I, right. I would suggest, and it's not controversial at all. Um, uh, firstly, perhaps privacy. Um, every time you tap your card, who is harvesting that data? Do you know who's harvesting that data? Um, and some people just prefer to live off the grid. Um, your purchasing history can't be tracked. So if you withdraw, say, 200 euro from the ATM, nobody knows how you spent that 200 euro. And I'm not suggesting for a minute that it's spent on, you know, um, you know, <laughs> and not good means. Controversial to use that word. Means, but uh, <laughs> nobody's tracking what, what payments you're making, what you're buying. Um, there's no data being collected by the merchant, by the marketing agents. Um, and uh, it's really about cash in a sense. And this is one reason, because there are others. Uh, cash is a, is a data blocker, if you want to think about it that way, because uh, people won't know what you've spent your money on. Um, and why should people know and why should they be entitled to know uh, what uh, you're spending your money on? Um, and if you look at, you know, if, if you think it's OK, because some people will say, well, I don't care. Who knows what I'm spending my money on? You know, nothing to hide. Uh, but if you take that to its nth, look to countries like Norway, uh, where your income tax returns are published online. Anybody can see them. You know, we got to think about our, our privacy and how data is used and I was thinking this morning about this in terms of a charity donation I made uh, during COVID, actually. And I won't name the charity, but um, it was to tap my card. It was they asked for a five euro donation for this. What I thought and I do still think is a very worthy charity. Um, and I tapped my card through the window of a shop because the shop was closed for five euro, not thinking any further. And since then, I have been receiving um, letters in the post asking me for more money. So my data was harvested somewhere along the way there because I've never given my my contact details. So privacy, I suppose, is is probably one of the the biggest reasons why anybody might choose to, to prefer to use cash. Very interesting example of of somebody I was speaking to recently, who had given his children uh, Revolut cards, 
And of course, the parents can track exactly what the child is buying using the Revolut card. Not necessarily a bad thing, but the child cottoned onto this and he started asking for cash instead of the Revolut card so he could go and buy whatever he wanted in the shop without his parents knowing when and where and what he was buying. So it, that's maybe one of the reasons. Um, there are other reasons, of course, um, and these are really, really important reasons. Um, for example, cash is seen to reduce the risk of financial abuse, you know, coercive control, domestic abuse in the household. Um, you know, that the the controlling partner doesn't know, uh, doesn't have to know everything that you're you're purchasing if they can see it in a card. So somebody can buy a treat, go to the cinema without being subject to, to being questioned if they have access to cash and they're not using a card. Really, really important in this day and age and something we're seeing coming to the fore in terms of policy here. Um, other reasons, obviously there's the emotional connection to cash, you know, the tooth fairy, the Holy Communion, the confirmation, you'll be handed cash, a long tradition of that. Uh, people prefer to win cash, you know, if you were winning a, a prize, you might prefer to win cash, rather, you know, rather than a voucher or something like that. Um, all sorts of reasons why people, you know, of any age group might prefer um, to use cash. It is also, um, I suppose, something that everybody can use and everybody has used cash. Uh, we'd often see, uh, for example, it might just make things easier for some people. Um, for example, people who are visually impaired. Uh, if you think about it, the notes and the coins are very much uh, designed to support people who might be visually impaired. Think about people with other kinds of disabilities, neurodivergence, uh, for example, autism. They might just prefer the familiarity with cash. So there's so many different reasons uh, that we, you know, if we stop and think about it, actually starts to make sense why we would want to maintain access to cash services. And uh, Olive, I hadn't stopped to think about it. And now I have <laughs> even thinking of revising my habits at this stage. The, the issue over the data harvesting, are there no safeguards against that? Um, well, think about cyber attacks. So, so of course there are safeguards. And of course I would, th I'm not an expert in data by any means, but we do know of course that there's much um, more sophistication in terms of protection of data for sure. Um, but as that becomes more sophisticated, so too are the hackers becoming more sophisticated and cyber attacks are becoming much more sophisticated than we're accustomed to as well. So, you know, the developments are, are happening at the same time. Um, so it's very, very possible. And we've seen um, recent cases where uh, money was taken from people's accounts through um, cyber attacks. And actually, there's a really interesting report out just this week. Uh, from the CCPC, which is the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission. And I thought it was very interesting to statistic. The report was just launched uh, this week in Dublin by the Minister for Finance. And it shows that one in three people have been subjected or have been subjected to an online fraud or have questioned a financial transaction. That's one in three people who were surveyed out of, I think there was about a little over a thousand people surveyed. So it is very common, uh, this notion of uh, being hacked or, you know, um, having difficulties. And I don't know if you've experienced it, Mick, but I have. I have, I have. I yeah, have. Yeah. So, you know, it's very sophisticated. And as I said, I'm not an expert on data, but we can see it happening, you know, even with the sophistication that's there and the protection that's there, it's still happening. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's no, no, no question about that. Um, no, the, the other, uh, no, presumably uh, financial institutions, from their point of view, they want to save money. They're there to make money, make money uh, as well. They want to see 
uh, less cash, I would imagine. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Oh, yes. I think I think we we can see that very clearly um, in terms of the withdrawal, perhaps, of or the proposed withdrawal, uh, in some cases, um, of cash services. And I think it's pretty obvious to all of us. I mean, I don't have exact figures in front of me, but it's pretty obvious that there has been a significant reduction in the number of ATMs um, available to us, uh, which would suggest cost cutting. Of course, it's a cost cutting measure by financial institutions uh, to withdraw um pardon the pun, withdraw ATM services. And I can just see it even in my own local shopping centre here. We used to have five ATMs. There was two that were outdoor and three that were indoor. The two outdoor ones in the last maybe six to 12 months have been closed. Um, and I can only find two indoors now. I can't find the third one. I presume it's gone. Um, so there is no outdoor access to an ATM at that very large shopping centre. Uh, if I look at the broader community where I live, uh, there is currently no access to an outdoor ATM. Uh, so that means that you can only, um, if you're in the local area, you can only access cash during opening hours of shopping shops, local shops. Um, the nearest one to me would be probably five or six kilometers from here to get to. And I'm, and I'm in a very built up urban part of the city. There is no outdoor ATM. So if I want to get cash on a Saturday night at 10 p.m., need to pay the babysitter, whatever it is, uh, I have to, to travel a significant difference. So we d distance. So we can see physically, we can see the cutbacks that have been made in terms of access um, to cash. Now, interestingly, and maybe this is something we'll get onto uh, shortly, is around kind of the, the government policy and legislation in this space. Um, the government um, has considered this issue from the perspective of the retail banks in particular. Um, through the um, recent um, retail banking review um, and it is set to legislate for access to cash in 2024. Uh, but one thing it has done is it has instructed financial institutions that the, the status quo as of December 2022 has to stay the same. So whatever access to cash facilities were there in December 2022 have to stay the same um, and can't be reduced effectively. So that's what I mean by staying the same. They, they can't, the access to cash can't be reduced uh, as of what was there in December 2022. So there's a bit of a break has been put on, I suppose, in terms of any further, um, I suppose, withdrawal of the banks um, in that space. Yeah, I'm going to come to that in a minute. One quick thing. Um, crime. Um, has any research been done in terms of whether or not there's a reduction in crime? In terms of physical crime, if there's less cash and presumably there's more crime when when it's cyber crime, but banks then will probably claim that they they, they can they, they have more safeguards against that. It, has anything been done in that area? Did you know? Not that I'm aware of in terms of research. There probably is. I'm not aware of it. But I suppose this is a common kind of stereotype. I suppose that's put out there that well, look, your cash can be stolen. Um, yeah. You know. But again, 
let's stop and think about that for a minute. Of course, your cash can be stolen, of course. Um, but, you know, the, the likes of the big bank robberies and things, you know, we don't hear of that anymore. Um, and really what you could, I suppose, to counter that argument, what you'd say, well, if, if everything's on your phone, which for most people it is, my cards are stuffed into my phone wallet. Other people use their phone to actually make their payments. Losing your phone would be far more significant because you absolutely have nothing when you lose your phone if you've no cash in your back pocket. Not to mention the fact that you lose your data and all of your access. So, you know, the argument that cash can be stolen, I suppose, is, you know, can be countered quite easily in terms of, well, if your phone is stolen, it's actually, I think, more devastating um, for people. There's also the notion of counterfeiting, which is, you know, that's another kind of argument that's used that, well, you know, um, it's much easier to kind of replicate notes, but actually modern banknotes are, are very, very difficult in terms of counterfeiting. Um, and actually, I was just uh, reading statistic recently how uh, for every one million notes that goes through the ECB um, cash centre, there's 50 notes that are duds. So that's actually a really, really small percentage in terms of, you know, the um, the extent to which, you know, crime at that level is is committed. Yeah, I actually, believe it or not, I got caught. I will I try to think it was about 10 years ago uh, in a rural part of the country where there was dodgems and a big fair was there with the kids. And I actually got caught. I was past the dud 20 that I, I, I innocently gave in for an ice cream cone the following day and it was promptly handed back to me. But it, it is extremely rare, as you say. It's it, completely no question about that. The, the other thing then, Olive, is uh, businesses. Now, you mentioned the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission and they say that some businesses don't, as I understand it, don't have to accept um, cash but once they state clearly that they don't do so, or if they have safety concerns about accepting cash. Yes, so that is laid down by the the, uh, the European Central Bank uh, and Central Bank cash strategy, um, that um, once it's, there's a notice up there clearly that states in advance of a transaction uh, that um, cash is not accepted, then... Um, then of course it's it's card. So that that is correct. Yes, that they don't have to accept cash once it's made clear in advance. And is there any indication that people businesses are going down that route at a greater rate than say prior to COVID, for instance? Well, we're certainly hearing more cases of it. So again, um, obviously you had the conversation there about the GAA at the start. Um, if you look at say the National Drivers Licence Service, yeah. Um, and if you want, and is that is that that's a state agency? Yes, correct. Now there's been a lot of furore about that as well, um, but they have decided that you cannot pay for your driver's license using uh, cash. They don't take cash at the counter. Um, instead, what you're asked to do is you either bring a friend who has a debit card or whatever who can tap for you, um, or you can go to a pay zone, um, and get essentially like a voucher as such to pay for your driver's license. So in effect, what that's doing, I suppose, is it's taking choice away from people. It's to a certain extent, almost excluding people from certain services uh, or it's making it more difficult for them uh, to avail of that particular service. Uh, so they're not the only um, examples. Um, we also um, would see Irish Rail. Again, there was 
there was quite a furore about Irish Rail recently as well, where the, the, the catering service has been reintroduced to the Cork Dublin um, service, but it was announced just in May this year, 2023, uh, that uh, cash would not be taken on the Cork Dublin catering service only card. So, you know, when you think of businesses that are turning away card, you know, they're doing it for legitimate reasons, I suppose, for them in terms of, of cost, uh, but they're also turning away business. So in this day and age, is that something that businesses want to do? Again, it's a choice for each individual business to do that. Uh, but it is turning away business. And I suppose the fear that I would have, certainly in the longer term, is will the cost of kind of digital payments become more expensive over time? Um, and, you know, will those businesses be forced to um, up their prices or uh, will it just become more costly for them, you know, in terms of digital payments in due course? And we don't know that. But it's it's possible. Um, and what's interesting is many of us may not know, are we paying per transaction for every time we tap? I mean, do you know, Mick, if you're are you paying no. per transaction? Do you know? I don't. That's true. Don't. Yeah, yeah. And what that's a very good point, is, yeah. Yeah, and what I would say there is to anybody who's listening to this podcast, I would suggest again going to the CCPC website. So that's the consumer, sorry, the competition and consumer protection commission website. They have an excellent money hub, it's called, and I would advise everybody who taps or uses cash or anything to, to have a look at the money hub on the CCPC. Everything is written in very plain um, language and in there you can um, compare and contrast the various providers of digital services um, and of financial services more generally uh, to see what the various costs per transaction, setting up a debit card, uh, you know, every time you, you tap your card, quarterly fees, et cetera, et cetera. It's all there and you can compare and contrast providers. So it's definitely something that every consumer should do. Absolutely. And of course, the big banks, as always, rely on the probability that an awful lot of people won't do it and therefore they keep doing it. The other thing is a cynic and only a cynic might suggest that what we'll probably see is that the cost of ATM transactions going up as a means of encouraging people towards digital transactions. And then once everybody are more a lot of people are in the habit and the custom of using uh digital transactions the costs will go up for those transactions as well, well afterwards exactly mick now the thing is that if you withdraw 200 euro from your atm and you use it to buy how many coffees would you get for 200 euro whatever you, whatever that yeah. might be yeah. um you're not paying a transaction charge every time you buy your yeah. coffee with cash uh, so if it comes to a point where the transaction uh, charge per tap, you know, starts to, to get higher. And I can tell you um, some some providers are charging at the moment. Um, many are not. As you say, that might change. Uh, but if it gets to a point where you pay a transaction charge to withdraw, say, 200 euro from the ATM and you can buy, you know, 10, 20 copies, whatever it is with that, uh, and you're not paying a transaction charge for each coffee, then then cash starts to begin to make more sense maybe in people's minds. And we have seen a bit of a backlash because they say one of the main banks, they were going to make 70 of their branches cashless, but in the end they reversed that decision. Yes, and what's really interesting to me, and I, you, know, you did mention earlier on about Centre for Cooperative Studies in UCC, and I've done a lot of my research in the whole area of credit unions, uh, and it's really interesting to see credit unions now starting to, um, and not just starting, but becoming more active in the space 
uh, perhaps maybe where some of the banks were. Um, and there's lots of examples of credit unions now that are introducing ATM services in communities where the banks have actually withdrawn them. There's a great example from Bantry Credit Union. It bought the next door premises of a former uh, retail bank, bought that premises itself and reinstalled the ATM that had been there that the bank had been operating before they withdrew. Um, and this um, has created enormous goodwill in the community. People are actually delighted to see it's the credit union is operating um, the ATM now. Um, and um, before they introduced that ATM, there was only one on-street ATM for the whole of Bantry community. So it's wonderful to see that the credit union stepping in, I mean, it doesn't make them much money, uh, but what it does do is it provides an incredible, valuable service um, to that community. Um, we've seen, uh, for example, Roscommon Credit Union has introduced ATMs, again, launched recently by um, Minister McNeil, uh, four ATMs uh, across four offices, you know, one in each of four communities, and two of those four communities didn't have an ATM service. So the credit unions are starting to, to fill that void in some places. That is interesting. And prior to that, as you said, there was only one ATM for the whole of Bantry prior to the credit union opening the one outdoor ATM. One outdoor ATM. Um, I understand there was two inside in shops, but again, if you yeah, think yeah. about inside in shops, that opening hours for those shops is the only time to access those ATMs. But so for the whole of Bantry, there was one on-street ATM uh, before the credit union um, installed another. It is. It is. Uh, it is a change culture, all right. No, uh, legislatively, uh, as you said, Olive, th there are some safeguards put in there by the government to ensure that people are not going to be forced to transact only digitally. Yeah, so I suppose this is in some respects coming off the back of international experience where we've seen a number of countries that have almost virtually cashless um, and are now trying very quickly to reverse those decisions. So um, we can see, for example, in Sweden, and uh, many people quote Sweden as, as, as close to cashless as you will get, uh, where there's only 10% of payments are made in cash, they've introduced um, legislation to um, require banks to provide cash. Um, and interestingly, particularly from the Irish perspective, I think that in Sweden, um, they're also requiring public bodies to accept cash, which is quite interesting, you know, considering, you know, what we said earlier about the national driver's license um, here. Yeah. Um, also in countries like Norway, which actually is more cashless than Sweden. I think it's about 4% use of cash there. Um, they're also now looking at uh, what they can do to try to reverse that trend um, and ensuring that um, they can force businesses in Norway to accept cash payments. Um, again, because they suddenly realized, actually, some people still need and have a preference for using cash. Um, so, um, it's interesting to see that some of the countries that are, are closest to becoming cashless or what we might consider more progressive societies um, are now trying to reverse that trend um, a little bit. So in the Irish context, the Retail Banking Review, um, if you're interested in cash, is a very, very interesting read. Uh, and, and many of the submissions to it were, were quite interesting as well. Uh, but there is a commitment in that to um, introduce legislation in 20, well, it's a 2023, I think we're now looking at 2024, uh, which will um, um, help to ensure uh, more access um, uh, and acceptance, really, because there's two issues here. One is access to cash, but the other is acceptance. So trying to ensure that we have greater um, acceptance of cash um, um, here. And we can see 
lots of countries legislating um, in this space, as I've said. Uh, Spain last year legislated to accept cash. Slovakia has embedded in, in the constitution um, the right to pay in cash. Uh, France has has changed legislation. It's it's a criminal offence now not to accept cash. Um, and even in the US, again, it's deemed as discrimination uh, not to accept cash. So it's interesting to see the trend now, um, you know, moving towards uh, trying to encourage um, the, on a legal basis um, access and acceptance of cash. So to conclude, Olive, would it be accurate to say that the, the tales of the demise of cash have been greatly exaggerated? I would like to think so, yes. I mean, if, when, when you look at the data, for sure, um, yes, as I said at the beginning, there was a drop, but that has actually levelled off. And actually, in, an interesting quote I have just from the Retail Banking Review, where it says, and I quote, a cashless society may never emerge. Um, I would like to think that, yes, it's probably been over-exaggerated. And as you said yourself, perhaps that's because certain people have interests in over-exaggerating it because it helps to move things away from a more costly model, which involves cash. But cash, as we know, is extremely important for the financial inclusion of all of our citizens. And it's something, you know, and, and the one thing I would say to people um, is, you know, if you don't use it, you might lose it. So think again um, the next time you're tapping about maybe, you know, supporting that local ATM, helping that local ATM to, to stay in place um, and um, and using cash. You've convinced me anyway, Olive, I'll say that much. I have to say, I, I, as you mentioned, it was sort of a drift unthinkingly in that direction. And I think I don't think I'd be alone in that. Uh, Dr. Olive McCarthy from the, the director of the Centre for Cooperative Studies in UCC. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Mick. Uh, I'd also like to thank our engineer, Jim Coughlin. Thank you, folks, for listening to us. And we'll talk to you again next week.